welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Today, I sit down with Carly Brasso, a.k.a. Miss Pursuit. We talk about her book, How to Hunt Like a Girl, as well as conservation and being first-generation hunters. All right, everybody. Today, we've got Carly Brasso with us of Miss Pursuit on um, all of the social media networks out there. Carly, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. We've got a lot of fun things to talk about today, and um, and I'm excited to get to those. But I kind of want to um, I kind of want to hear your background and how you got started in the outdoors because I think you're a whole lot like me with um, just having a later start in that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, Amy, I, you know, I grew up on a couple of branches when I was younger. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I kind of say maybe, maybe that's kind of where those seeds were planted a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I've really been a city girl. So um, even small town, but still, you know, I've been in Amarillo and Abilene, you know, Las Cruces. Uh, but I've been in Dallas, Texas, I guess almost 20 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm a city girl, you know, I like to shop at Nordstrom and I like my target, you know, four times a month. And um, all of it, really, and you know, when you're in Dallas, I know if you're, you're really passionate about outdoors, you find a way to make it happen, to spend time outside, but it's just harder, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have any rivers and lakes and hills and mountains and hunting and, you know, we just don't have as much of that. So it is hard to be outdoorsy when you're in the city. Um, fortunately enough for me, I did, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not quite sure which route, <laughs> but I, I, I started dating a man. He was a big hunter outdoorsman and um, he, he was going hunting all the time. And uh, I, I, I we, that was a, a very big um, thing between the two of us that caused quite a few fights. You know, I, I, I really had a hard time, Amy, with it because I was like, you're, you're gone all the time. You're spending a ton of money. You're, you know, doing all of these things. Um, and I, I kind of realized, okay, you know what, Carly, you, you, you kind of either got to jump on the bandwagon or this is may not work because I, I, my husband loves me dearly, but I do think he potentially might choose deer hunting. (laughs) 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 And so I don't know. I feel like it kind of forced me to get out whether I liked it or not. Mm -hmm. And I've grown to love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, are, so tell me, so were you ever, did you grow up hunting and fishing or did your husband? Well, I grew up camping. Um, I grew up hiking. I grew up fishing in the mountains with my family, but I never uh, got into hunting. My brothers did, but I was kind of along, they were much younger than me. And so by the time they came along, it was just 
hey, that's what the boys do in our little town that I grew up in. And I don't think it was ever a thought of the girls being interested in it. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't mean. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, just a passing thought. It, it wasn't something out there. Um, so yeah, my husband introduced me to hunting and it was more along the lines of, I had small children at home at the time and he'd go out and hang out in the quiet of the woods and enjoy himself for a few hours while I was at home with the kids. And I kept thinking, well, I can do that. (laughs) I can enjoy myself out there and have some common ground, um, to connect us again. Um, and so it's a very similar with connecting to your spouse and to someone you love, um, our stories and being later on that front. And that's what, that's kind of how I got started. Isn't it interesting? And I feel like a lot of us women are in that same boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because of social media and we can kind of share that and see other people doing it. Yes. Uh, but I, I, I really, I feel like so many of us women are in that same boat and, and it may not be hunting and it may not be outdoors, but all my girlfriends, like their husbands are big golfers. Their mm-hmm. husbands are the gym. Their husbands are I just, it seems like generally men just have more passions or something than women do, or maybe we're just not allowed to have those because we're raising a family. I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if it's that or if it's, um, we ourselves almost put that on ourselves. I, I think it's, uh, especially with young families, with babies and, and a long, there's not a whole lot of time. There really isn't for ourselves and for us to lean into something that we might have a passion for. Mm-hmm. Um, your kids, Amy. My kids are 11 and uh, 9. We're about to shift up a year. Um, and so we're kind of in that position that they're independent enough, but they still love us. <laughs> it's a good place to be in. <laughs> And so when did you hunt for the first time? I hunted, um, this is my fourth season. So it hasn't been that long, but I've learned a ton within those four years because I've only hunted by myself. I've never hunted with anybody else. So that first year of me hunting alone in the woods by myself, you, you're throwing a curveball and you have to kind of step up to that each time you go out and adapt as you, as you learn. Okay, Amy, you're way cooler than I am. I've never gone. <laughs> I it's it. I don't think if I'm cooler, if I just had to do it in order to get out there. Wow, I mean that that's really cool. <laughs> you're you're way. <laughs> it's it's fun. I'll tell you though, it's we were on private land, and there's a little bit of comfort in knowing a familiar place. Um, yeah. There's comfort in knowing a familiar place. This year has been the first year that I have hunted on public land. And there's, and I'm, I'm going out there by myself, and there's a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say fear, but caution 
if that makes sense. There's my, my head's more on a swivel, not just for wildlife, but for other hunters that are in the area. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know, this is all interrelate, you know, interrelates to each other because I guess I, I, I wouldn't have a place to go hunt by myself. I guess I could, well, that's a lie. I guess I could go out to our lease. Mm-hmm. By yep. I guess I've just considered that to be an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, I mean, that's another big problem with getting people into the sport is having it really close to where I live. Um, they're pockets. So it's like 45 acres here, 50 acres here. And you kind of have to, um, you have to figure it out. I'm, I'm glad my husband has been on this area before. I've had a friend that's been on this area before. And so, um, my husband walked me through the area once and we scouted and, uh, and looked for signs and things like that. And then, I kind of notched down on a place that I wanted to stick to. Um, but it was, um, we have a lot more private land here than we do public. So we're, we're probably very similar. Um, and you've got to go search for it instead of like in Colorado or places like that, where it's just accessible. Right. Right. So how did you learn, how did you learn hunting? Um, I, I think that my story would probably line up with a lot of people where my husband mentored me through it, but most of what he did was give me the information that I needed and he knew me well enough that in my hard headedness, I needed to go out and do it myself. So, um, hunter's ed, all of the things that I would need, the license, the everything, and then just get out there and learn as I go, as long as I was set up safely and, and put into a situation where, um, I could learn as I go. And that's what worked for me. Um, I've talked to a lot of ladies that, um, it's been nice to have another woman walk alongside of them that they can go hunting with. Because if you don't have a husband or a brother or a dad or another woman in your life, there are strangers out there that are more than happy to help, but you kind of take, it's not as easy to step into a man's world. Um, as a single female hunter trying to get into the community. Well, and Amy, like I, I even have a little group of us girls, um, on Instagram. I know Mm -hmm. it sounds kind of all, we have our, we have like 10 or 15 of us and we're, we all just chit chat, you know, it's one group message. We chit chat with each other and, but they're all over the country. So even, you know, something like that where, you know, and they're like, hey, you know, do, do all you girls, y'all want to do a teal hunt? Do y'all want to do a this? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Pacific Northwest or you're in Tennessee. It's it's hard. You still have to find someone close Local. to Local, yeah. And it's hard. There's um, until this year, until I got on social media with hunting and started looking for a community, um, especially of women, I did not have, there was not a woman near to me that I could reach out and touch and be um, connected to. And 
So I feel like social media does a great job of closing that circle so that we can communicate with each other and encourage each other, but still the distance without um, physical contact, without being able to meet often, without being able – those state meetings, the community meetings, the places that have um, – those groups of women where you can meet somebody close to you that has the same interest as you, no matter what it is, fishing, hunting, duck hunting, whatever it is, means a lot when you find it. Right. And are you on any, are you in any of the Facebook groups for all the female hunters? Do you know I'm not? Um, it, it is this up. is actually my first year in social media. Um okay got to get into some of these Facebook yeah. groups. It um, makes a difference. The The connections yeah. that I have made have made a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, Huntress View and Real Camo Girl and She Huntress and all of those um, yes. private groups just for female hunters on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're sharing their pictures. They're asking questions. They're, it, it's just different. And I... I I, re- I, I struggle sometimes, Amy, with the female hunter thing. Yes. Because I'm always like I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I'm not I'm not a girl boss. I, I'm the boss, right? Right. So I don't know. It kind of annoys me a little bit, this whole, like, female empowerment. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. That, that's just not personally what I, I feel like that continues to kind of segment us. The mm-hmm. more we girl you know, female entrepreneur. No, I'm not a female entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Right. So I I do, I get annoyed with that, but at the same time, there is such a difference in us. Yes. And for different reasons, we hunt a different way. We need different gear. We, I don't know. It's just, I kind of get, because I, I don't know, it is such a brand message as far as female hunters. I think that the encouragement, I think that the community of women who hunt can can be a part of a smaller segment without being isolating. Does that yeah. make sense? I think that we, because we're not sitting here today talking or downplaying or down talking men because they are a huge a part of our community, huge. And there are men who have, who have encouraged me and mentored me and they mean a lot to me in the way that they have walked alongside of me and walked alongside how I've had to adapt my way of hunting. And if any, if men are listening to this, which I believe a whole lot of men are, it's there's, we're not saying you can't be a part of it. We want you to be a part of it, but walk alongside of us and, and help us figure out how to adapt things to how it would work for us. Because each man is different in his own way of how he adapts hunting to his own style or to his own um, abilities. And women are the same way, but we're different from men. So right. it's all individual um, on how we approach hunting. It's uh, I'm different from you. You are different than the next woman next to you. We have more in common just because of how we are built and how our brains work. But um, but I don't think – I think that we can do this as a community inclusively instead of separating each other. 
Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's, it's a tough one though. It's a real tough one. Okay. And we do, I mean, you know, even just uh, two minutes ago, I'm like, oh, the female hunting groups and men aren't allowed in those groups. And, (laughs) you know, know, I don't, there are some men's groups that I, they need to be in their men's groups. They need to be talking about things that they might not necessarily be comfortable asking in front of a woman because they feel like they should know this already. And if they don't, if they ask it, then maybe they're looking like they aren't you know, the type of hunter that they're supposed to be. And so I think it goes both ways. There's, there are a lot of questions that I have that I would rather ask a woman. Um, there are some questions that I'd like to ask a man and see how it's different, how I view it differently from how they're seeing it with an open mind. Right. Right. I know. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I knew nothing. Like, like I, and I know, I mean, I told you like, okay, I'm going to do a shameless plug on my ebook. Do it. But this is, you know, what, what I found. So the female hunters are, most of them are, are actually pretty bad at. Yes. Like this newer, you know, newer hunters. We got into it when we were older. Um, we got into it maybe because our, our husbands, um, you know, our dads didn't take us out hunting when we were younger. So, so we're much newer to it. And then you have the girls who, and men who have been doing it their whole life. Mm-hmm. So I got in like Amy, I'm, I, I feel a little stupid even just sometimes saying this because I did not know the difference in a rifle or a shotgun. I didn't know the difference in a lease or public land. I did not, I, I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn every little detail as far as, you know, even, you know, I, I did a, a, duck, a, a, a duck hunt in September and Will took me out and we were practicing and I was like, okay, I need more bullets. And he was like, they're shells. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, those are not, they're, they're shells, honey. You know, and he's like, you got to learn the lingo. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, still, I mean, those are all things I'm, I'm still learning to this day. And I had a really hard time. So I would like get home and I would start Googling stuff. So I would have to Google like, okay, a rifle and a shotgun and mm-hmm. a pistol, all of these things that I didn't know. And so every time we would go out hunting and I would learn new things as far as conservation or a lease or, a, you know, white tail and a mule deer and what's the same and what's different and what all these things I thought, oh my gosh, like I have to write all of this down because you have to go Google it. Like nobody writes basic content for dumb ass new people. <laughs> that, what I do you know, looking that, at, looking at your book, because I've looked through, um, some of it, that was what caught my eye at the beginning. And I actually told my husband, I said, for newbies coming in at zero, Mm -hmm. terminology is key because you can listen all day long to a podcast. You can look all day long at YouTube, but if you don't have the terminology, then it goes over your head. It goes in one ear and out the other. And it's hard to put two and two together when you don't understand the terminology that's being used. And I loved that you threw that in there because there are no, there's no such thing as a stupid question. There are, um, 
there are people that make you feel stupid for asking it. Um, and that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Um, and it can actually cause us to pull back in to our shells a little bit. Uh, so having that terminology and looking through even just the basics of the terminology makes a huge difference. Yeah, I just, it was so, it's so weird to me looking back after, you know, I guess it's been, I don't know if I've been hunting, I want to say somewhere between eight and 10 years, mm-hmm. probably closer. But those are all the things. And I still feel like I go back or I miss a couple of things on, and, and I was so blessed. I mean, my husband, Will is so patient. <sighs> He's, you know, me, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm up, I'm down, I'm all this, I'm this. And he is just like this even force in our marriage who just taught me. And he answered all my questions and he explained them and he will still like, he'll quiz me on stuff and he'll go into a deeper explanation on things now. Um, So I I was very, very blessed that I had someone so calm and so knowledgeable be able to talk to me at a very basic level. Um, It kind of, I guess, got me where I am today. Well, it got you where you are today, but it got him where he is today. Because I remember reading, you said it took his hunting to a different level after he taught it. Um, And I'm noticing that this year with teaching my kids how to hunt, um, I'm a first-generation hunter. I'm passing it on to the next generation. And I'm noticing that my passion for hunting has – it has switched a little. It's now – it's more two-dimensional. It's not just for me anymore. There's um, the teaching aspect of it. Man, it it heightens everything. It does. Isn't that so cool? That's a great way to say it. Um, yeah, it, it's, yes. And so it may, Mason is five, Olivia's three. And, you know, right now we're teaching them like the names of animals, mm-hmm. you know, we eat you know we're like what are we eating like this is a pig this is a cow you know this is a deer um and and you know we're as much as i kind of love to say we're brainwashing them already to be hunters we definitely have discussed like this will be their choice you know we just want to educate them and they can they can decide for themselves right or not but we've started pushing really hard on you don't eat the meat you do not get to go hunting and yeah. so dinner time, you know, the kids don't want to eat their spaghetti or they don't want to eat the this. And we're like, if you want to go hunting with mommy and daddy, you have to eat the meat, mm-hmm. you know, we're already kind of pushing some of those things. And now the kids are like, okay, I want to go hunting with mommy. Okay, yeah. I, I want daddy. Yeah. Um, so we'll eat the meat, you know, just those things that you have to kind of go ahead and start laying that groundwork. And, you know, we allow Boy guns in our house. Yeah. Um, so controversial in 2019. <laughs> or your daughter to have a toy gun, but you know, we allow those in our house, but we are already, I mean, this is, I mean, to me, I'm like, my son is going to pick up a stick and like it's a gun, whether I allow one or not. Exactly. I mean, but you know, we're already like, you never pointed at anybody. You always point it up. You never, you know, we're just those things that those lessons that you really start teaching so early. And if you're not taught those things early, then you're, 
a Carly or an Amy's and you have to learn those things when you're, when you're grown. Right. Um, and we, so, I want to say we've, we've done the same things. My, my husband is a wildlife biologist. And so it was early on that our kids knew what a river otter latrine site was. It, it was early on that they knew how to track stuff and look for tracks. They are my best, um, they're my best deer spotters. They see them first. And so I call them my little bird dogs. It's, it is, um, it's fun to see how far they've come. But like you've said, we have never sugarcoated anything. They, we started educating from the time they could communicate what the meat was, um, how it was found, how we came across it, how it is in our freezer, they have been a part of um, field dressing an animal, um, and there's a science behind it when we're teaching. It's not, ooh, look how gross this is. It is it's approaching it in a way that's educational versus hyping it up to something or making it something that it's not. Um, how old were your kids the first time they saw you field dress? Um, it was actually just last year. Uh, they have seen a dead deer. We have brought them home. They have, they've seen those kind of things, but actually seeing a field dressed deer was last year. It probably could have been a little bit earlier, but, um, I think they were 100% amazed that when you opened up a deer, everything was organized. Oh, they thought everything I mean, they've seen in diagrams, they've seen in books, but you know, that's a book and there are fiction books out there. And so to see it um, in real life and to see everything organized, which of course is amazing in itself and a miracle of life that everything works the way it does. But to see and go from the trachea and the esophagus down and you see the heart and the lungs where they're placed and then come down to the, the, um, the stomach that is divided into parts and the liver and the kidneys, like to see everything and how it would flow and how organized everything is, it became an educational lesson. And that, seeing that, then they at one time will be prepared as they're going to field dress when it comes time for them to do that. That is so cool. If they decide to do it. They've, my daughter, both of them have been through Hunter's Education. They have been, um, they have here in Tennessee before, I think it's before three years old, you can get a lifetime sportsman's license for them for cheap. And so for life, they have every license, I think, except for the migratory bird, federal stamps, like all of that. But they can hunt what, and fish whatever they want to um, and have all their license. So they are prepared for it. My son is ready. Um, he is excited about it. My daughter's ready to observe. Um, and it's just taking that one step at a time and not being overly pushy um, and letting them do it on their own time. Yeah. We love, you know, when we come home with ducks or, you know, whatever, showing them and telling yes. them, you know, pat it, you know, say that, you know, this, you know, this animal, he, he died. Yeah. You know, died. And I, I, I don't know. I think Mason is comprehending death. Mm-hmm. Although, 
you know, I'm, I'm a little unsure if he really understands the finality of it. Yeah. Uh, it's saying, you know, he, this, this animal died so that we could eat, eat, eat mm-hmm. it. Yep. Those things that you, you, you know, you kind of try to start explaining to them and, and we do, we take it and we say, you know, this is the breast and this is, you know, we'll eat this and look how beautiful, you know, just mm-hmm. appreciating the animal. And it's Amy, I'm going to just say something. Why is it so hard for, I feel like it is so hard for non-hunters to understand how much hunters love animals. Yes. I think it's hard. I think if you take it back to look at how we're teaching our children, Um, we teach with finesse. We teach with kindness. We teach with um, without aggression. We teach with um, open-mindedness and with a slow touch. We're not bombarding them with everything at one time. It is little bits by little bits. And look at you 15 years ago, not really knowing a whole lot of everything in this. And I think that we need to make sure when we're speaking to non-hunters who aren't, I think, who who haven't been inundated with it like my kids have, um, that we start slow, that we start with open conversations, that um, we start with compassion for them not being educated in it, for them not knowing and giving them grace in that. And for those who hate and don't have the ability to want to learn anything or to respect it. Honestly, I think that it's, it's something that we just need to move past. Yeah. 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 I just, I'm like, I just can't, I understand if someone does not want to hunt. Right. But anyone who eats meat, I have a hard time understanding how you can eat meat yet be opposed to a hunter. I agree. I, I, I can't understand the logic. And I don't think and we ever will, <laughs> truthfully. With that, I mean, you know, I, I mean, even my, my mother, who like will not look at one picture of me with a dead animal, mm-hmm. she still is very like, do not show me pictures. I do not want to know. And I'm like, mom, you're eating chicken from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> McDonald's, how do you think? Where do you, you think it came from? Like, yeah. Anyway, so it's still, I, I totally understand if you do not want to pull a trigger and take something's life, but you, it's hard for me to understand how people cannot grasp we just do it ourselves versus paying someone else to do it for us. Yeah. I think it just comes down to respect and disrespect. I think it, it comes down to, Hey, we don't have to agree, but we can respect each other on our views of it. Um, and I think when it really comes down to it, if you are sitting in front of somebody like that, the question should be, Hey, can you respect me for me having my own way of doing this? Because I can respect you and your choices. Um, and we can walk alongside life with each other, respecting our different paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always tough for me to under, 
I, I guess just I can't understand the logic. Did you happen to see? It's been on social media a whole bunch. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, her. Yes. Oh my gosh, her was, being video. It was perfect. Oh my gosh, it was it was so perfect, and I loved it. And it, in case some of your listeners have not seen it, um, there um, I don't know, maybe last week or something. Her and there's video or pictures of her and. George Bush sitting together and everyone's like, oh my gosh, like he's a conservative, he's a Republican, you are super liberal, super all these things, like how could you just sit next to him and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, 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 no. When I talk about kindness, yes, kindness of people who are just like you and kindness for people who believe exactly the same way as you. I mean, kindness regardless. Right. for those people that are different. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just really, really hit home. I think with a lot of people, um, that it, it, it's not about respect for people that you agree with all the time and that who are just like you. It's about respect for just everyone. Right. You just Oh my gosh. I think it was perfect timing. It was perfect timing. And I know she's gotten a lot of flack for it. And, um, and I think she's gotten a lot of support for it too. Um, I was super excited to, to read that and to hear her and the words that she had to say. It was really cool. And speaking of, um, I was going to ask you, how has it been being in the public eye? Being in social media and how has that affected your choices? Well, I wouldn't say I'm in the public eye. That sounds a little dramatic. (laughs) I think you're in my public eye. (laughs) You're being a little dramatic, but hunting is just controversial. Mm -hmm. um, People don't like it. Uh, Most, I don't know what the statistic is, I am going to assume most people do not like it or agree with it. Um, I think those around me um, have become, and even those that are not for hunting have become a little bit more understanding Mm -hmm. just by the way that I communicate and talk about it. Um, And, you know, my love for the animals and the way we eat it and the benefits of conservation and all of those things. So I hope that by using kind of sticking with some of those brand messages, I'll say that I'm a marketer. That's what it is. Yes. That at least those around me have started understanding it a lot more. Um, and that is, I guess just my hope is that slowly those seeds are planted mm-hmm. in my network and whatever that network is, whether that's the girl I work with or someone who follows me on social media, I mean, that those seeds are slowly planted. Um, And, you know, even if if you strip out the hunting, you know, this is one thing I I recently said, you know, spending time outdoors looks the same, really, whether you're a hunter or not, we just happen to pull the trigger and harvest something for us to eat. Um, So, you know, my my time outdoors, I, I, you know, in, I I was recently interviewed um, for something and it's really the same. I just happened to, you know, one of the questions they said were like, how many animals do you kill a year? And I'm like, (laughs) 
that's not really, I said, that's not how it works. No. Um, we may harvest one deer a year, you know, yet spend all this time and hours and weekends and all of this out quote unquote hunting. We're, we're, we're not just like murdering and slaying animals, you know, like I don't just like kill 10 animals a month. It, It just, I don't think people who don't hunt don't understand that you may actually be shooting and or killing let's say that um an animal what like 0.05 percent of the time right i mean no it's 90 99 point something percent of the time that we are out there it's we are out in the outdoors it's just we're prepared to harvest an animal yes and so i just some of the questions do show um the amount that the the lack of knowledge as yes. far as is right. I mean, we're literally not just out slaying all day every day. Just you know, I'm like very rarely, and you know, almost every time people are like, well, "Would you catch?" Which is always, I'm always like, you know, you don't catch. You don't catch anymore. it. There was something on um, it was on Instagram the other day, and it was actually a. It was an Instagram account. I'm not going to say who it was, but it is in the hunting community. And I put quotes around that because I wouldn't necessarily claim this account as a hunting account. But they put a picture up um, of a certain hunter and said she caught a deer. And I just wanted to cringe because she didn't catch it. She didn't throw a line out or a net or she did not barehanded catch this deer. Um, and there, termin- that's where you go back to your terminology. Terminology is important. And, um, and you don't have to be so blatant as to say she killed it. Um, you can choose your words kindly you can choose your words to educate the public in a in a way of saying harvest or call like you can choose your words carefully but we do not catch our deer <laughs> it kind of just makes me giggle sometimes it and does even after, <laughs> did you catch anything this weekend i'm no. like no we, no we didn't catch anything we did not go fishing it was not we catch and release no we did harvest the deer but no we didn't <laughs> <laughs> my husband he, he was always like you catch a fish yes you harvest or cull a deer you know and I was yes. like oh but um that's just things that you have to learn and that's okay that some people don't know that um but I always find that a little funny yeah well it leads into where I kind of wanted to ask you this question about you wrote an article um, the six slip ups men make when hunting with women. And I loved, I loved how you wrote this. Um, uh, and I wanted you to explain it a little bit more because I think that the way that you explained it wasn't, you see articles all the time out there and it, it, um, it does not paint men in a great way. And, this way, like it is nice to be able to put something out there to say, hey, this is what it means to us when you speak this way. Um, 
we'd love to have support. We'd love to have encouragement, but can it look a different way? And I think that you hit that on the head with, with the post that you had. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when I wrote that, if men or any, you know, are going to get new people out in the field, Mm -hmm. um, Especially women, again, we are a little different, right? We a lot of times hunt for different reasons. And again, like the gear, all of this stuff. Um, And I I don't want to keep harping on this. I just feel like my husband was just a good teacher and made sure that the the, my list of whatever six or seven um, tips that, you know, what I've seen men make when they hunt with women, he didn't really make any of those mm-hmm. and I that is why I was I have become a, a little bit more successful even though I mean I'm just not that awesome of a hunter but I like being out there I've learned I've grown and um he has allowed me to do those things but it was all it wasn't always quite so smooth um you know, and I still, you know, we'll say, you know, in the mornings and we're getting ready and, and he, he kind of decides where we're going to go hunt or this and that. And, and he'll say, okay, well, I think we're going to hunt this tank or this pasture today. And I'm like, well, why? Mm-hmm. I'll say, well, you know, the elevation, this, or the, you know, this is where the water, you know, there's water here. We can get on a high point there. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I can look at the map and maybe say, yeah, but wouldn't this little place be better? And, you know, he's stopped and thought about that and not just made it be like, I'm a total idiot. I've never hunted. What are you talking about? He's actually kind of listened and maybe I might know a thing or two, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. And um, and another thing, you know, when we first started hunting, we had me in all like little boy hunting gear. Yep. Um, it's cheaper. It's just what you can buy at your local academy or, you know, and so I wore all little boy gear. I still do. I still do. And it's because the men's stuff didn't fit me. Right. Yeah. So I was in crap. Yeah. And I was so pissed off. I remember <laughs> like trekking through whatever brush. My jacket's huge. I can't get my rifle over my shoulder. I can't, my shoes sucked, my this sucked. And I was like just pissed. And I'm like, I freaking hate hunting. This is stupid. I'm uncomfortable, you know. And I think like something like that is a very basic thing of, okay, let's let's, let's get some good gear. Let's get stuff that fits you. Um, things like that, you know, that can make a woman or a new hunter feel more comfortable out mm-hmm. in the field. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, and honestly, you know, a lot of the times, even still to this day, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to sit in a blind when it's 15 degrees outside and I'm cold and I'm miserable or it's raining or this and that. I don't like that. And he has made it where I don't necessarily have to hunt if I don't like it. Right. And I mean, I think that's just almost more common courtesy on anything. You know, I wouldn't make someone sit in my living room if it was a hundred degrees or sit outside on my patio if it's a hundred degrees and they're sweating and they're miserable, you know? So just, I think 
common courtesy hunting um, will help get more women and more people in general out there. I think if, and I think taking this own advice myself for walking somebody who is maybe right behind me, I think there are a couple things that you have to look at. You have to, you have to be aware. You have to look at body cues. You have to listen to tone. You have to um, be empathetic um, and sympathetic and be patient. But I think that you also have to understand, especially with women, we like all the information. Uh, we like all of the information and it's not because we want to second guess you. It's not because we, it's because we want to learn because I don't want to ask this question again. I want to be able to play into the conversation next time because you've given me all of the information and now as we make decisions, I can be a part of that. And put my two cents in and it might be fine and it might be not and it might be absolutely something that works but give me you can't overload me with information I'm a sponge I want to know it because that makes me feel more comfortable um, and I think those things can kind of work in together if you if you just are aware and pay attention and um and just make sure that you're reading cues. Um, then you can make decisions like, hey, you're walking a little weird. Your feet hurt. Are those boots not working for you? Or you're holding your pack a little strange. And we, we do this for anybody, not just a woman. Um, hey, is your pack not fitting right? Is it loose? Is it maybe we can cinch up something, adapt something to make it work? But make it to where when people go on hunts, um, they're not miserable. Um, and even if something doesn't work, by the time you get back, you know what that is instead of getting back with frustration and anger and not uncomfortable and that kind of thing, at least along the way, there's been troubleshooting and you've pinpoint, you've pinpointed what needs to change. Right. No, totally, totally agree. Um, yeah, it's just a, a learning process, I think, for, for men and women when they hunt together. Yes. Yep. Um, you also speak a whole lot about conservation. Um, and that's actually in your terminology. Um, and I think that you speak about it throughout your whole book. Um, it's kind of an underlying tone through your book. Uh, from beginning to end. And I really loved that. If people get out there and read it, I think that you will notice that um, from chapter, from even just the beginning, the introduction, all the way to the end, that conservation is an undertone in it. You know, we hunt to eat the meat, mm -hmm. but we've also educated ourselves and my husband has educated me. Um, and then I've, I've, I've learned much more over the years, uh, the benefits of hunting on conservation. Um, I, um, I started to blog, let's see, how long ago was this? Two years ago. Um, for the exotic wildlife association. And I mean, really like their biggest message is conservation, conservation. It's also hunting through commerce Mm -hmm. uh, but I was forced because I was writing like a blog a week for them to start 
learning about conservation. You know, how does conservation help our exotic animals? What are some famous stories of conservation? What this and that. And it really is so fascinating to me. And even if, you know, you can definitely talk a lot about the, um, a lot of the exotic animals that are extinct in their native countries are now here, especially, you know, Texas, we have a, 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 a ton, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and, um, and it's really been because of hunting. And it is fascinating to learn. But even if you take out some of that and you strip it, you think about um, just feral hogs. Um, they are running rampant. It yep. is going They are damaging our, the land. Um, this is this, These are ranchers and farmers' um, livelihoods. And uh, there is a, a conservation effort that has to happen. What feral hogs do is they take, uh, they will push out all of the deer. Um, they, they're super aggressive with their eating and everything. And it is, these are just things on why I hunt. And yeah, I mean, we, we, we try and shoot every hog that we see mm-hmm. because of the conservation of our land and our, our, our wildlife. Um, so yes, I, I, I can get on the soapbox about my, my <laughs> talking. So important, and um, um, there there are just some really cool stories of conservation where um, animal herds have depleted. They've gone, you know, really bad, really bad herds in certain areas. And so, what the likely um, answer and the likely solution to that problem is to quit hunting those animals, right? And all the science behind it and data shows that when you eliminate hunting, the animals actually do worse Yes, than when you allow controlled hunting. Yes. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I mean, there, I don't know, Amy, this is just so interesting to me. You know, no animal has ever become endangered from hunting. Right. They have, you know, poaching, but it's mm-hmm. urbanization all these things that it, it, it's not hunting. Hunting is actually as counterintuitive as it is saves and makes our species thrive. Yes. So, I don't know. It, it just became very interesting to me, the science and it, because it, it's very illogical. So I have to, I have to harvest, I have to cull, I have to, whatever word you want to use there, an animal in order for the rest of them to thrive. Yes. And it's very counterintuitive, but it's become very fascinating to me. And um, I think that that, I think that's one of the messages that we started with our kids on. Um, And they will talk to Joe Schmo on the street about it if they are asked, because um, I mean, here in Tennessee, you can shoot three doe a day during deer season. Um, Wow three doe a day and two bucks a year, a season. And in some CWD counties in our Western part of the state, you can, um, they have extended the, um, the season and you can take an extra buck. Um, now people look at that and if they aren't hunters, they see, oh my goodness, you could shoot three doe a day for the whole season that starts in September and ends in January. Who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody shoots three doe a day. It is a possibility that you can um, do that. That is the legal limit. Um, we have deer everywhere. 
We have people that are killed in cars because of deer. Um, we also have CWD. We have tuberculosis. We have um, we have a lot of stuff going on over here. And if we don't get these numbers under control, it will spread like wildfire. And so our kids have been educated from the time they could understand that the reason that we hunt is to save them. Um, if you're num- if you have way too many, then sickness runs rampant through the herds and you lose the herds. Uh, you have unhealthy deer if you have too many. Um, and that's just with deer over here. You've got many more species in Texas to worry about. And when those numbers get out of control, just like with our human numbers, when you look at more populated areas, um, and I'm not saying control, don't anybody <laughs> think that I'm saying let's control our human numbers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when you have a more concentrated. You're going to get a lot of backlash. I'm going to get back. Yes, I'm going to get. Y'all don't hear me say that. Um, what I'm saying is if you look at more populated areas, you can see viruses and sicknesses flow through them faster. Um, we have medications that we can take as families and as human beings that wild herds don't necessarily get a hold of. So it's across the whole world that this happens. It's just we have more control over it in our human species. We don't have that control in these herds. And so hunting is a major way of doing it. And, you know, with more, you know, everything growing so quickly, all of the towns, you mm-hmm. know, every we're taking their land. We're taking our wildlife land and their resources and they, they will starve to death. Yes, you know, they will. Shelter, food, water, um, because humans are, are, are populating, you know, so quickly. And um, so, yeah, we just we have to manage it. Yeah. And, and, you know, managing it means culling and harvesting and um, and doing it there. legally and ethically. I think that people need to know that, that we don't do this just, we wake up in the morning, I'm going to go hunting, I'm going to go shoot a couple deer, I'm going to go shoot a couple of animals, and then I'm going to throw them away. That's not, that. that's a bad hunter, that's a poacher. Exactly. You know, and, and there are, there are bad seeds, right? Yes. Um, in everywhere. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, bad teachers, sorry, bad police officers, bad uh, CEOs of businesses. Mm-hmm. In- there are, there are some bad hunters. It is what it is. I hate to say that, but it's, it's true. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yes, I think um, in hunters can be so portrayed as like these bloodthirsty, like just mm-hmm. everything in sight. <laughs> right. Most of us, most to all of us, do understand the um, the ethical and respectful. Yeah, we only take as much as we can eat in a year, and if we do take extra, it's to donate to someone else. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Of course. Yeah. Yep. We're not taking three dough a day. <laughs> I need to come hunting with you. You need to come hunting with me. Although I've been out this year and haven't seen anything. It's been pretty quiet because it's been so hot. We are finally cooling down and I think we're going to see more movement. Um, I'm hoping so at least. So, yeah. 
Okay. Tell me a little bit about what your goals are for this coming year. Oh my goodness. My goals. Um, so my ebook is just kind of a starter place. I really just kind of wanted to like get my info out there. Right. And experiment a little bit. What I want, Amy, is just a badass book on thinking for women. Um, I've done a lot of research. There's there is one book that was published like in 1999. Great, great book. Um, You know, the pages are like that Manila. really the pictures are all in black and white Mm -hmm. it was like I can't believe this wasn't published like in 1983 right Um, but it's really cool I just I want my 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 one of my I I told Will I was like my end goal is a is is this book and he's like well let's that the book can be a, a a place but let's not just have that be like my final my final goal for life um but I just, I want a really badass, like, coffee table book with beautiful photos and just all of the information in the entire world for female hunters. Yeah. That's what I want. I, I, I want that book. And I also would love, I've seen, I know there are some books for kids um, as far uh, on hunting and wildlife. Um, National Geographic actually has some really cool ones that my son is really into. Um, I would love to do uh, like some kid books mm-hmm. that are more like white-tailed deer and mule deer and, um, you know, a little bit more targeted towards our our hunters. Yes, our youth oh, hunters. Youth hunters. Yeah. Um, so- you would say those are two of my goals that would will probably never happen in less than in a year. But yeah. that to me is just kind of a need that I feel like I haven't personally found. Right. And I haven't I haven't either. It's hard to find it out there. And even if you know a little bit, even if you feel like you are you are in the hunting community, I looking through your book, I think it could it could range from anyone from zero all the way up because I'm always looking for extra information. I'm always learning, trying to learn new things. And there were multiple things as I was reading through that I went, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, I like that. Um, I like that suggestion. I like the the way you said that. Like there were a lot of things that I enjoyed um, soaking up and learning, even though I've had these years of hunting experience. So I think it's not just for a beginner. It is great for a beginner, but I think it's for, um, a lot more people than a a wider range of experienced people. I'd love to expand on it and just make it awesome. It's exciting. And then I, you know, again, I'm, I'm in marketing, I'm in sales. That's what I love. That's what I'm really good at. And so then I kind of second guess myself. I'm like, maybe it doesn't exist because no one needs it. And that's a dumb idea. But I just, I feel that in my heart that that's just the path that I'm going down unless that door shuts. Um, that's just kind of been where my heart has been out. I can hear on, I, I just, I want books. I want information out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where I'm at. 
it'd be nice for somebody to Google how to and for it to pop up. That would be nice. It'd be nice for... I would love that. It would be. It would be nice for somebody starting out. Hey, what are these terms? And for information to come up like that. Um, hey, do you have any bucket lists of hunting? Um like I yeah. haven't even I haven't even asked you what what species of animals you have hunted. Well, you know, as far as bucket list, I don't really. You know what I mean? I just love being out there. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big like trophy girl. I, I I couldn't tell you the biggest mule deer I've shot or the biggest whitetail or how many inches or. Oh you yeah, know, I, I can't tell you that either. Yeah. <laughs> love being out there you know I, I um I would love to be able to be like oh I want to beat my personal best for whitetail and I want 180 inch whitetail this season um and I can't tell you that because I just don't hunt that way yeah I think I, the way that I look at it is each species you have to hunt differently and so what do I want to learn next what do I want to challenge myself on maybe hunting by yourself, maybe figuring out independence in that? Um, that's kind of, that's how my brain works is each year. What are those goals? I do like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would a little bit like to go to Africa and do a hunt. Yeah. But I just don't know if that will happen. And sometimes I think, I don't know if I would like that. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. <laughs> seeing all those African animals, at least going to see them, even if we didn't hunt. But I yeah. can't picture us Africa and not hunting. I mean, yeah. that sounds cool either. But I don't know. I just, to see all of those African animals, um, oh my gosh, that just sounds... Uh, it's like pretty so amazing. I have to say, I went in 2005... <laughs> Um, which dates me just a little bit, but that's okay. I went in 2005 when I was working um, with the Children's Hospital here at Vanderbilt. And um, I didn't go with Vanderbilt, but um, but it was a way for me to get over there. And I didn't hunt, but I got to see wildlife from both South Africa and Kenya. And it was amazing. It was amazing to be surrounded by a different level of animal. Yeah. Oh, it just sounds, I bet that was, I I just, I bet that was so awesome. It was phenomenal. We went during, um, I think that the, the wildebeest were migrating. And so the power behind a huge herd of wildebeest moving through, it was just beautiful. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. So even if you don't, I, if you do get over there, I hope that you would be able to set up a hunt. But even if you don't, it's an amazing trip to take. Ah, uh, that sounds, yes. That gave me chills. Yes. I mean, that, that, okay, that's on my book. <laughs> we will add it to your list. Oh, <laughs> Carly, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. I love um, the passion that you have for educating hunters and for conservation, but I think that you have a great way of doing it to where it's comfortable for somebody to ask a question. Um, and your, your Instagram feed and all of it, it's just an open place that people feel very comfortable, um, coming to learn. And I'm, I really appreciate that of you. 
Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me on. And um, thank you. I just think we all have to push our message a little bit and and just talk openly um, amongst each other. And even if um, we don't convert any non-hunters, that even among the hunters, we continue talking about conservation and the harvesting, and the you know, the meat we eat and um those things still need to be top of mind, whether you're a hunter or not. Agreed. Pulling our community a little tighter together uh-huh. in order to um, to sustain um, where we are and grow because our numbers are depleting. So um, education is the best form right now and passing it on generation to generation, getting our families involved. And I think that we didn't touch on it. But bringing women into hunting, you hear it over and over and over and over. Bring a woman into hunting and you'll have the family. Yes, I love that. So it's, um, it's something that it includes families, but then it passes on to generations and we're, we're educating these generations in a way that's going to be better for our community in the future. And, 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 you know, Amy, I'm going to just touch on that really quickly because yeah. we, do, we do all really push that message of, of, of female hunters, but it is men's job to be mentoring other men. Yes. Uh, the, the, the male hunting population has become stagnant and is actually, yes, declining. Mm-hmm. And again, for the conservation of our animals, it's everyone's job to get women and men and families and our children out, out, out there in the field. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, men really, you know, invite, invite your, invite a guy friend, you know, invite a guy from work to come out and do a guy's hunting trip with you one weekend. Um, it, it's, it's really all, all of our jobs. It really is. And it just starts with a conversation and an open mind. Um, you have the most soothing voice I've ever heard. Hey, I have enjoyed talking to another Southern woman today. It has been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you again, Amy. I really appreciate it. Hey, Carly, tell people very quickly how the multiple different ways that they can um, follow you, get your book, um, contact you, however you would give all the ways. Awesome. Okay, so I am on Instagram at Miss Pursuit. That's M I S S P U R S U I T. Uh, my website is also misspursuit.com. And plastered all over any of my social channels will be my book. And um, yes, would love for anyone to follow or reach out. Um, just love connecting with, with other hunters. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Amy. All right. So you can follow Carly at Miss Pursuit on Instagram. Also, misspursuit.com. And her ebook is all over um, her social media. So go check it out. Give her a follow and reach out to her. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.
Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.